Hey, hey, hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 64 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Friday, folks. I'm recording this on Thursday. I think I'm still going to release it tonight at midnight, but I'm going to record pretty much the whole episode today. I, I mean, Yankees have the day off, so I think figured it would be a good time to uh, record the podcast, just get it all out of the way, because we have a lot to talk about this week. This was a busy week in the sports world, folks. A lot happened this week. I mean... I mean, this is supposed to be a dead time for sports, but there's all kinds of stuff happening right now. I mean, that whole, the whole, I mean, look at everything that happened with the Mets this week. The, I mean, this high school that might not even exist. I mean, there's a lot happening in the sports world this week. We're going to talk about all of it. Here's how the show is going to go today. We're going to recap the week for the Yankees. Kind of a mixed bag week. They won 13 games in a row and then immediately followed it up. With four straight losses, but they won yesterday. Uh, Garrett Cole struck out 15. An amazing, amazing performance yesterday from the Yankee Ace. Um, we'll recap all that, preview the upcoming series this weekend against the Baltimore Orioles and the rest of the remaining schedule for the Yankees, who are about to embark on 20 straight days of games. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to being able to watch the Yankees damn near every day. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and then uh, the outro is going to be really long today, I think, folks. We got a lot to talk about, all kinds of sports to talk about, and uh, and not even sports. We're going to talk a little music. We're going to talk a little Ted Lasso as well uh, in today's outro. Today's outro is going to be loaded, so you are not going to want to miss it, folks. Uh, hope you're doing well out there. Um, I I mean, the weather has been crazy the last couple of days uh, in the New York area. I mean. The remnants of Hurricane Ida hit New York hard last night. I mean, look at some of the videos of that of what's happening in the tri-state area right now. I mean, holy smokes! I mean, the the videos. I, I shout out to the uh, the Instagram account Subway Creatures, uh, which uh, profiles uh, weird people on the subway in New York. Last night, they posted all these videos of. Uh, the flooding going on in New York subway systems, and it just looked really scary. Like holy smokes, like crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, and then, and just rain all over the place. Uh, I saw Michael K post on Twitter last night that he couldn't even get home uh, after the Yankee game last night. Uh, he that he broadcasted at the stadium. He couldn't even get home. He had to seek refuge at Fordham. I, and the video that. I saw this morning of the Somerset Patriots, the double-A affiliate for the Yankees. Their ballpark is completely submerged in water. It's crazy. This storm wreaked havoc on the tri-state area. Uh, thankfully, it appears pretty much my whole family is okay. Uh, I, I'm, you know, of course, thoughts go out to the, I believe, eight people who died in the tri-state area uh, the, in, in the last day because of Hurricane uh, the remnants of Hurricane Ida. But, man... The what the damage is crazy, absolutely insane. My sister uh, and my mom both ended up getting the day off of work because of it, and um, they went for a walk this morning in Central Park to check out the damage. My sister was sending me all these pictures. The water is just way high. The water is way higher than it normally is. It's crazy, uh, but thankfully everyone is okay. Um, you know, and the, here in D.C., in the D.C. area, uh, the weather has, you know, 
and yesterday it rained a lot. I mean, it wasn't. It what did not look nearly as bad as what New York looked like uh, yesterday, but it did rain a lot uh, yesterday in the D.C. area. Uh, I'll give you like so. Yankees are on the West Coast, uh, which means um, I've been passing out on my couch a lot lately. Uh, and yesterday at around three thirty in the morning, uh, all of a sudden I hear. That's supposed to be thunder, uh, by the way. That's, uh, I'm sure the, that's what it sounded like. That's what it sounded like. I, that it was the loudest freaking thunder I've ever heard in my life. It was like out of nowhere at three thirty in the morning. I damn near started singing the thunder song from Ted. I was like, man, this this shit is wild. And like, I, I talked to my roommate Juan. I was like, did you hear that? I'm like, did that wake you up? He's like, nah, man, nothing wakes me up. I'm like. Well, lucky you, because that shit woke me up big time. I was awake for like an hour at 3.30 in the morning after this super loud thunder. And I just assumed it was going to be like that all day. Thankfully, the thunder wasn't too bad. There wasn't as the lightning after that. That 3.30 in the morning crazy-ass lightning was not nearly as bad. But uh, it was just rainy and just miserable all day yesterday. And... Um, Man, uh, the weather right now. I mean, and of course, your thoughts go out to everyone. I, I can't believe I haven't said this yet, but of course, everyone in Louisiana, New Orleans, that whole area of the country is going through a lot right now. I mean, we you know we remember Katrina uh, hitting hard in 2005, and how long it took for New Orleans to recover after that. Um, and I just hope they don't go through the same thing again. I saw um, the Saints will be starting their season on the road. Uh, I mean, you you just hope that you know these people who have been through so much in New Orleans already. You just hope they don't have to go through anything again. Uh, help them out in any way you possibly can. I am going to donate blood tomorrow, uh, Friday. Uh, at, I'm I'm going to give some blood to hopefully help the uh, victims of of this horrible you know, hurricane and. Um, I encourage everyone to to just do what you can to, to help out the, the Gulf Coast region and anybody who's affected by these crazy storms over the last couple of, of days because uh, it's really scary. Even 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 around here, we had somebody die at an apartment complex in Rockville because of this, and somebody's still missing. I mean, it's just, it's just it's it's scary, it's sad, and I encourage all of you to. Um, do what you can and help out people who may be displaced because of these storms. I mean, it's, it's, it really sucks. This is just an unfortunate situation. Um, but anyway, uh, I, with that being said, uh, I'll stop talking about weather. Uh, I, I, I'm glad that most of my family is okay. Uh, I'm glad that everybody I know in this area is okay. Um, that thunder was so loud the other night. I mean, holy shit. That stuff was loud. But uh, I think I've introduced the episode long enough now. Why don't we get into uh, today's episode? We're going to do the Yankees first, and then we're just going to have a super long outro where we talk about all the crazy stuff that's happened over the last couple of days, uh, from fake fake Bishop Sycamore High School to uh, I'm even going to give you a review of Donda. Uh, we're going to be talking about that a little bit more next week when we have Michael Edgley on the show. Where I'm hoping to do a roundtable with Tim and Arun and Mike next week as we Get closer to the football season, but I'm also hoping to talk to Mike about both Donda and Certified Lover Boy, which drops 
well, I guess technically today when you hear this episode, uh, but I'll have a review of Donda for you. Of course, we're going to talk a little lasso, but I think I've introduced this episode long enough. Let's get into today's Yankees segment. Here we go. Alright, I forgot to mention in the intro that uh, I did skip last Friday. I didn't do an episode last Friday. Um, I just I dropped the bonus episode on Wednesday, the Ask Brian, and I, I really liked it. So honestly, I was like, well, I don't need to push it with another episode this week. I thought, I thought the Ask Brian was awesome, personally. I have a lot of fun every time we do the Ask Brian's. But, um, so I, I missed last Friday, so we didn't get a chance to recap uh, the tail end of the Yankees' 13-game winning streak. Uh, but look, look, bottom line is the 13-game winning streak was awesome. The 13-game winning streak was a lot of fun. I loved being able to listen to Sinatra every night after the Yankees won. But they didn't gain any ground on Tampa at all. In addition to the Yankees being one of the hottest teams in baseball, Tampa Bay is also one of the hottest teams in baseball. I mean, it helps when you get to play the shitty Orioles over and over and over again. But still, Tampa Bay has barely lost since the All-Star break. In fact, I think they only lost like five times altogether in August. I mean, Tampa Bay is a good team, and they are proving it. They still have a seven-game lead on the Yankees. And I think it's going to be tough for this team to make a run in the division. So I don't want to say I'm settling for the wild card, because that, that sounds like a bad thing. But I have my sights as a Yankees fan. Firmly focused on the wild card. I am hoping, per, I would love for the Red Sox to drop out of the wild card. Um, I, they have been ravaged with COVID over the last couple of days. Similarly to how the Yankees were affected by COVID earlier this season, the Red Sox are going through their own COVID outbreak right now. It's even taken down like several key players of their team, including Xander Bogarts. So you wonder if the Red Sox are going to stay in the race. They got a win last night, but you wonder... You know, it's going to be tough without all those players. This is a key time of the season. Oakland's right on their tails. I, you wonder about the Red Sox. So I'm hoping, I mean, Yankees-Red Sox one-game playoff would be stressful as fuck. I mean, just to put it mildly, it'd be extremely stressful. Like, I mean, I could barely handle when they played in the playoffs in 2018. And, like, a one-game winner-take-all playoff, even with Cole, would be stressful. So I'm hoping it's Oakland. The Yankees have a good history with Oakland, so... I'm hoping, personally, the Red Sox fall out of it. And, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, but, you know, obviously you don't want anyone to go through the COVID situation that they're going through right now. Um, that's, I mean, that, like, look, no, COVID's a nightmare. I mean, and I was reading that the Red Sox are among the teams that are not anywhere close to the 85% vaccine threshold. threshold. Uh, which is crazy to think because, you know, Massachusetts and Boston is such a liberal place and they have one of the highest vaccine rates in the country, yet the baseball team is not getting the vaccine. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see about the Red Sox the rest of the way. But enough about them. This is a segment about the Yankees. I'm not going to go as in-depth on some of the games from last week, honestly. And I'm also going to be honest with you. They were on the West Coast this week. They were in Oakland, and they were in Anaheim, and honestly, there were a couple times where I passed out on the 
couch watching the game. I don't want to sound like a casual fan. I don't want to make it seem like I'm not a diehard fan. These games are really freaking late, people. What do you want from me? Like, these games are extremely late. Luckily, I was able to wake up towards the end of them most of the time. But some of these games in Oakland and Anaheim were extremely, extremely late. So, let's, I'll just, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pick up where we last left off, uh, which was two weeks ago. They played Minnesota. They, they swept the series, basically. They, they, the last game got postponed, but the Yankees won the first three games. That made their winning streak 10 at the time. Then they went to Atlanta, won two games there. The first game was an easy 5-4 win. Uh, some, some great hitting from the Yankees. John Carlo is just, was just on fire this whole series. He had the opposite field home run off Yanoa. Uh, Jordan Montgomery with five good innings of work from uh, Monty in this game. Uh, I don't want that game. I don't know why they sent me to a game from last month, but I want this game. Um, Montgomery, five innings, two hits allowed. Uh, he's been very good. Uh, ago with two innings of work. And uh, he, I mean, Loaiza has been the Yankees' best reliever all season, not even close. Um, the most consistent, most durable, best reliever on the team all season uh, has, without a doubt, been Jonathan Loaiza. And um, so he pitched two strong innings. Wandy pitched an inning. Uh, and then Chapman closed it out in the ninth. Yankees win that game 5 1. Uh, the second game in Atlanta extended the winning streak to, at that point, 11 straight, or I'm sorry. Yeah, 11. 11 straight games. Uh, it was not easy. The ninth inning was very stressful. Uh, Chapman, as usual, making things interesting. Um, but uh, Chapman, but Wandy Peralta came in. He faced Freddie Freeman, who, of course, is the reigning NL MVP. And he got him to fly out to end the game, escaping a very stressful situation created by Chapman again. Uh, Chapman has been good since he came off the IL, but still, he's, I feel like he's struggling to find his groove. Um, and this was another example of this. He walked in a run, but Wandy Peralta, I mean, what more can we say about Wandy Peralta? I mean, what a trade that was. Uh, I mean, at times this season when the Yankees were extremely unbalanced, ex- tremendously right-handed hitting team, you know, it looked like we, they might miss the bat of Mike Talkman, but, um, Wandy... I mean, Mike Talkman's not even on the Giants anymore. He's cut. He's gone. He was designated for assignment by the San Francisco Giants. So, Wandy Peralta has stepped up big for this team, I would say. Wandy Peralta has been great. Uh, and to get this last out against Freddie Freeman, who was the reigning NL MVP, uh, it was great. Uh, dramatic, very stressful. But another win for the Yankees. That was 11 in a row. They sweeped the two-game series in Atlanta. I, I personally consider sweeps to be three or more, but they won the two games. They won both games in the two-game series in Atlanta. Hopefully, that is the last game the Yankees will ever have to play in an NL park without the D. Uh, well, I forgot they're playing at City Field uh, next weekend, but still, hopefully, this last time they go to Atlanta without the DH. I mean, I'm so sick of the pitcher hitting. It's just a waste of everyone's time, and it sucks. So they had Wednesday off last week. Uh, weird Wednesday off, but whatever, what can you do? And they went to Oakland, uh, again, like I said, a lot of these games started really late. They started at around 10 o'clock, 9.40, and, um, so I was struggling to stay awake. I'm a sleepy guy. Like, I get tired easily. I, I'm, I'm kind of an early-to-bed, early-to-rise type sometimes. Like, I, I'll, I'll fall asleep 
really early and then I'll just wake up very early in the morning. Like that's just how it goes sometimes. Like this morning I was up at like 6 a.m. So this this West Coast series messed with my head. It messed with my it messed with my 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 I don't know. I it was tough staying up for these games, but I did I was awake for the end of these both of these these late games in Oakland. The first one was a 7 to 6 win for the Yankees. Uh, in which they had a six nothing lead, and then blew it. Uh, I don't know how to like the Yankees had a six nothing lead. It looked good. John uh, Carlo got the scoring started with a home. I'll I'll go through the scoring summary now that we're we're kind of back on track uh, with the games that we we missed last week. I'll go into the scoring summary for the Oakland games. John uh, Carlo Stanton hit a home run uh, off James Caprillion, the former Yankee farmhand. Uh, this was the game where Boone got ejected. Um, with just awful umpiring all series in Oakland. I will get to the Saturday game, but just terrible umpiring all series. I don't blame Boone for getting tossed in this game. Uh, he got tossed in the second inning of the first game of the Oakland series. Uh, he missed a pretty crazy game. Uh, Brett Gardner followed it up. like Right after Boone got ejected, Brett Gardner hit a home run uh, to make it 2-0 at that point. Uh, in the top of the third inning, Anthony Rizzo hit an RBI double, drove home Velasquez, that made it 3 nothing. and then Joey Gallo seemingly broke the game open, right? It seemed like it was a done deal at this point. Yankees are going to win their 12th straight game. Joey Gallo hits a three-run shot into the Mount Davis in Oakland. That makes it 6 nothing. Looks good, right? You got Jamison Tyone on the mound, the pitcher of the month for July. He's been great since the All-Star break. Things are looking good, right? Wrong. Oakland comes back and ties it with six unanswered runs. Starting in the bottom of the third inning when Matt Chapman hit a home run off Tyone. And then Sean Murphy followed it up by hitting his 15th home run of the year for the A's. Uh, Then in the bottom of the fourth inning, Tyone loaded the bases. He walked Chapman, uh, made it 6-3. And then Elvis Andrews hit a base hit that drove home two runs making it 6-5 at that point. And then in the bottom of the fifth inning, the lead totally evaporated when Josh Harrison, the former pirate, the former Washington National as well, hit a home run off Jamison Ty- or off Abreu at that point. Uh, Albert Abreu came in for Tyone, and um, Harrison hit the home run off him. They made it 6-6. Excuse me, game remained like this until the top of the ninth inning when, give me a second here, I'm sorry, um, Rizzo walked, two outs in the ninth inning. Rizzo works the walk, and Mendoza, who's filling in for Boone, makes the smart decision to bring in Tyler Wade to pinch run. Wade steals second, goes to third on an errant throw uh, by the catcher Murphy, and upsteps Aaron Judge, who I've been hearing all season is an unclutch anti-vaxxer, and he gets a base hit to right field to drive home Wade and... Give the Yankees a 7-6 lead. Chapman. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, before I get to Chapman, I've been hearing all season about how unclutch Aaron Judge is and how Aaron Judge is an anti-vax loser. I mean, seriously, guys, this team would be lost without Aaron Judge. He is without a doubt the Yankees, other than maybe Cole, the team MVP. Uh, He's been incredible. He's now up... We'll get to his 30th home run that he hit yesterday. But Judge has been clutch all season. This was yet another big hit 
by the Yankees right fielder, who I think will be the future captain of the New York Yankees. Number 99, Aaron Judge. Chapman. But now back to Chapman. Comes into the ninth inning. Uh, he does, he does, wa- oh, he gives up a hit. Uh, but other than that, they get the tying run to third base. But Chapman gets the last out. Ground ball to Odor, who throws the first. Ball game over. Yankees win. 12th, 12th straight win. Chapman's 300th career save. Just great stuff. Great, great stuff. I, I mean, look, I don't like that they blew a 6-0 lead in this game. Made it a little more stressful than I would have wanted to. But um, And by the way, you know how I mentioned I've been, I was passing out on the couch at multiple times during this, uh, during this series? Well, uh, that was the situation. The Yankees had a 6-0 lead. Gallo hit that home run. I passed out on the couch. I woke up to the sound of John Sterling saying, It's 6-6 now. Harrison hits a home run. That was my John Sterling impression. But, um, and I was like, fuck. I was like, shit. I was like, ah, oh, god damn. I thought I could sleep in peace. But, um, uh, good. Shout out to the boys. Shout out to Judge. Uh, shout out to Tyler Wade for stealing that base. Uh, awesome stuff. This was a fun win. Uh, the next one on Friday night was an easy win. They hit four home runs and just cruised. They absolutely cruised in this game. Uh, the game started off kind of weirdly. Sean Manaya, they made him change his glove, which the Yankees claimed they didn't. They had nothing to do with. But the umpires were like, "Your glove is too ye- or orange, or your, your glove is too green." So they made Manaya go get a, another glove. Uh, weird, weird start to this one. Weird start to this one. Uh, no scoring until the fourth inning when John Carlo hit a long home run to dead center field into Mount Davis. Stanton, well, I mean, this is the Stanton the Yankees traded for. I mean, what a beast. What a beast Giancarlo Stanton has been. And then Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt was not in the lineup on the Thursday game. And fans were like, where is Voigt? Why is Voigt not playing? It's like every time Voigt is benched, it's like, why is Voigt not playing? Like, people get so pissed when Luke Voigt is not playing for the Yankees. Hits a home run to make it 2 nothing. An opposite field shot. Uh, by uh, the Yankees' first baseman slash DH. And then Aaron Judge hit in the top of the fifth inning, hits his long home run of the game off Manaya, a three-run bomb to dead center field, making it 5 nothing Yankees. Um, A's would score two runs in the bottom of the seventh inning, but Higgy put the game away in the top of the ninth with a two-run shot. To make it 7-2, they scored one more run on an Aaron Judge RBI single, making it 8-2. They closed it out. Lickie closes it out in the ninth inning, getting two strikeouts, including the last out of the game. And that's it. Ball game over. Yankees win 8-2. 13 wins in a row. I mean, what a streak. I, it was a lot of fun. I, I, just, I just love being able to listen to Sinatra every night. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Uh, winning all those games in a row is special, man. Um, this is the longest Yankees winning streak since the 60s. I mean, holy smokes. Not even the Dynasty teams in the 90s had won this many games in a row. I, are you kidding me? I, I, the 98 Yankees, who I think are the greatest baseball team in the history of the sport, didn't even win 10 in a row. I mean, all right, what? Crazy stuff. Uh, a lot of fun. And got the Yankees right back into the thick of the playoff race. Uh, as things stand right now, they will host a wild card game. Unfor- like I said at the start of this in- at the start of this segment, 
Unfortunately, you can't really be too thrilled because Tampa Bay is just on fire. Tampa Bay just keeps winning. And they've answered every Yankee win with a win of their own. Ah, I mean, it helps when you play the bum-ass, useless Orioles who can't win for shit. Um, but, oh my goodness, Tampa Bay had an answer for every Yankee. They only gained one game during this winning streak because Tampa Bay was just so hot. The winning streak was awesome. I, the winning streak was great. I, I loved the winning streak. Unfortunately, now we have to get into the games that they lost. The last two games in Oakland and the first two games in Anaheim. Uh, the first game they lost in Oakland, I mean, what can you do? Just terrible umpiring all around in this one. Um, the third base umpire, his name was Will Little. I hate calling people out by name like this, but Will Little sucks. I mean, starting with the, the, the stri- stolen base attempt by Marte, where he was clearly out, and, and, uh, and they called him safe, uh, to the bulk attempt by Nestor Cortez, which was, I mean, he thought it, uh, Nestor was kind of trolling him a little bit. It looked like a bulk to me, but that's not the third base umpire's call. The first base umpire is the one who makes the bulk call. So why is the third base umpire the one who's making that call? It wasn't that blatantly obvious that the third base umpire had to make that call, in my opinion. So, and then the creme de la creme um, in the third inning uh, was just ridiculous. Um, Let me see if I have a video of it. Um, Yes, here we are. Um, So Jan Gomes is up, another former national uh, and he hits a line drive uh, to LeMahieu, who's on the second side of the bag. They, LeMahieu, Marte, who, like I said, had just been called safe on a play where he was clearly out. Marte is called out on the throwback to third. Now, Rugi's at third. Um, and Rugi, um, they, the throw, he's not even touching the bag. Like, the, the throw was way off. LeMahieu's throw was way off. Rugi had to save it from going out into the foul territory, the vast amount of foul territory in the Oakland Coliseum, and preventing it from being a run. And, and, and yet, they still call Marte out. Now, they review it. They review it. The A's challenge. The Yankees, unfortunately, wasted their challenge in the first inning, so they were unable to challenge the Marte call, where he was clearly out, even though they called him safe. The A's challenge the fact that they called this a double play. They go to video replay. They are... Nestor is laughing. I mean, Cortez was laughing at how bad of a call this was. He's standing on the mound, laughing his ass off. This play should be overturned a million times. The A's challenge it, and they call him out still. Like, what? Look, I am as big of a Yankee fan as they will come, but bad umpiring is bad for the sport. Bad umpiring is a joke. How was Will Little not fined or even suspended for this game? I mean, ser- embarrassingly bad by the umpires in this Oakland series. Uh, it's just a terrible game. Uh, the A's, uh, just to get into the scoring summary, they scored one run in the bottom of the second inning, and um, two, two, uh, they scored a run on the bulk, the, the bulk that I mentioned by Nestor Cortez, that the third base umpire called... Uh, that's normally the first base umpire's call, but instead the third base umpire called it this time. And, um, yeah. and, and then they added a run in the bottom of the fourth inning. 
Matt Chapman hit a home run. It was 3-0. Yankees were getting absolutely shut down in this game. Of course, the awful side of Yankee Twitter that I hate was coming out in full force. You know, the negative side. I hate the negative side of Yankee Twitter sometimes. They're just so annoying. Like, this team's won 13 games in a row. Can you guys please shut up? Um, Montez pitched really well for the A's. He only allowed two hits, struck out six. Um, and then in the ninth inning, Sergio Romo comes in, and Aaron Judge hits a, another home run. I mean, Judge is just on fire. Judge and Stanton have just been absolute beasts lately. Um, and Judge hits this two-run home run off Sergio Romo. They cut it to 3-2, to two, but unfortunately, Joey Gallo, who has not been great lately, uh, ground, and more on him in a minute because, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, hang on, I just want to see something here. Um, yes, Gallo grounded into a double, his first double play as a Yankee in this game, and it wouldn't be the last. Uh, he also made the last out of this game. So, ball game over, Yankees lose a wild one in Oakland, 3-2 uh, to two at that point. Like I said... Just bad umpiring all around. I mean, Nestor was laughing at how bad of a call that was. Nestor was laughing, and you still called him out. I mean, jeez. Winning streak over uh, at that point. And unfortunately, it started a losing streak for the Yankees. The Sunday next game was on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. You guys know how I feel about ESPN and their baseball coverage. I think it's a joke. I think their coverage of baseball sucks. I think the people they do have covering baseball, like A-Rod, suck. They absolutely suck. ESPN needs absolutely better baseball coverage. So I watched this game in its entirety on mute. And uh, again, uh, Yankees bullpen gives it up late in this one. Chad Green gives up the home run to Tony Kemp, who absolutely killed the Yankees all weekend. Uh, Kemp uh, made some great defensive plays. He's a really good player. Uh, Tony Kemp. I, I'm a fan of Tony Kemp. I thought he played pretty well in this whole series. I, I, he's a nice find for Oakland after getting uh, chased out by the Houston Astros. Uh, Tony Kemp hits the home run off Chad Green. Green has had some moments this year that just make you shake your head, honestly. Uh, that blown, just some, some bad losses. That game in Houston, that game at Fenway, uh, this game... He's normally pretty reliable. Like, Chad, Chad's usually pretty good, but he's had a couple stinkers this year. Waste six pretty good innings from Jordan Montgomery, where he only gave up one run. Uh, just, you know, it's a crappy way to end the series. You know, I was everybody was like, after they lost the, the Saturday game, like, it's okay, just start a new winning streak tomorrow. Like, it'll be fine. Just start a new winning streak tomorrow. But that was it. Gallo grounded into another double play. That was only the tenth double play of his career at that point. I what? Now he's fully a Yankee. I mean, seriously, if he's hitting into all these double plays, I mean, he's clearly a Yankee at this point. Gio Urshela did not look like himself, honestly, in this game. Uh, coming back from the injured list, he made two errors. Uh, uh, wow! I, you do not see the normally short-handed Gio Urshela make mistakes like that, but. They did, um, and that was it. Uh, Yankees lose the last game in the Oakland series 3-1. to one. Uh, Oakland's a good team, so honestly, I know they won 13 games in a row going into this series. I will take a split with Oakland. They are a good team. I hate that Coliseum. The Coliseum is a dump. I was actually talking to a friend of the podcast, Brian Hoke, on Twitter about this. Um, 
because he was talking about how Mount Davis is just an eyesore. He was at the series. They don't send him to every series, but he this he was at this one. And he was at the Anaheim series as well. And Brian Hoke was talking about how uh, Mount Davis is just a huge eyesore. So I I, I tweeted at Brian. I'm like, why haven't they considered renovating the Oakland Coliseum? Just doing what they did the first time and opening up that great view that they had before the Raiders came back to Oakland. And Brian Oak was like, there's just too many problems with the Coliseum. There's flooding all over the place. There's rats. It's disgusting. They need a new ballpark. They can't just renovate the Oakland Coliseum. Now, I would love for the A's to stay in Oakland, personally. Oakland has had it rough over the last couple of years. They lost the Raiders to Vegas. They lost the Warriors to San Francisco. The A's are all they have left right now in terms of professional sports. They have tried for years to get a new baseball stadium in Oakland. I was also talking about this. My, my conversation with Hoke led to some conversation with some, some people who live out there in California and how tough it is to find the space for a ballpark in Oakland. But, um, <coughs> excuse me. But um, I, I hope they do. It would be great. I it would really suck for Oakland to lose all their sports teams like that in less than a, in just a certain amount of time. It would really suck. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I shout out to the loyal Oakland fans, uh, and I hope to see you in the wild card game. Like I said at the beginning, Red Sox are kind of in free fall with all their COVID issues. Could be the Yankees versus the A's. That would be fun. A lot more fun than going up against Chris Sale, that's for sure. So, Yankees wrap up the series in Oakland, and they head a little bit down south in California to Anaheim to face the Angels. The first game was a wild, wild, wild affair in which Corey Kluber returned from the injured list. Uh, Corey Kluber came back, and he looked great for the first three innings. The Yankees scored the first two runs of the game. Anthony Rizzo hit an RBI double, uh, opposite field base hit, <clears throat> to make it one nothing off the Angels. Um, and then uh, Stanton grounded into a double play uh, with the bases loaded, which, um, again, you know, another double play. The Yankees lead the league in double plays. The Yankees specialty, as John Sterling calls it. Um, another double play for the Yankees, but they score a run on it. makes it 2 nothing. Kluber was... I'm really happy to have Kluber back. I think Kluber's going to play a big role for this team down the stretch. I mean, I, I, I think... He, you know, if he can be anything like, I mean, before he got hurt, Kluber was doing great. He pitched that no-hitter in Texas. Remember when I did the bonus episode for the no-hitter? I mean, Kluber was great in that game, and he was really doing great before that, too. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Uh, but I'm hopeful that he can be a big part of this team down the stretch. And um, he was great for the first three innings, and then he kind of lost the plot in the fourth. Uh, Joe Adele. Got the uh, Angels on the board with an RBI single off of uh, Kluber. And then uh, Jack Mayfield. Uh, I've never heard of Jack Mayfield. He's not related to Baker. Um, he has kind of like a, a fly ball that just keeps going and going and going, eventually over Joey Gallo's head and over the wall for a grand slam. That makes it 5-2. to two. Angels at that point. I'm like, crap, come on, Kluber. Like, what are you doing, Corey? Ugh. All right, so Kluber was not great there. But 
He did have three very good innings before that. I'm, I'm excited to see Kluber in his next start, which I believe is this weekend against the Baltimore Orioles. We'll get to that series in a second. Uh, the Yankees would answer back in the top of the fifth inning. This game was pretty crazy, honestly. This game was pretty nuts. Um, DJ LeMahieu hit an RBI single to make it 5-3. And then Aaron Judge hit one to made it, made it, hit another RBI single that made it 5-4. And then John Carlo, the hottest hitters on the team. More on John Carlo in a minute in this game. RBI single, 5-5. Yankees come all the way back, and they put in Andrew Heaney in back of Kluber. Now, this was the plan from the start. Boone mentioned several times how they were always going to go to Heaney no matter what after Kluber. Not what I would have done, especially in this situation. The Yankees had just come back and tied the game. 5-5 game. You bring in Heaney now, and Heaney, first batter he faces is the likely AL MVP in Shohei Otani. And Shohei Otani promptly greets him with a long home run into the right field seats. His 42nd of the year. I mean, what more can you say about Otani? Otani's an absolute freak. I mean, an absolute beast. And um, I made it 6-5. I'm just like, why would you bring in Heaney? You've got a only Loisaga and Green pitch the day before. You've got a well-rested bullpen. Go to, go to somebody other than Heaney. I get that that was the plan from the start. Not what I would have done. Not what I would have done. Uh, yeah, Angels would score another run in the bottom of the sixth inning off Heaney. Uh, Juan Lagares, more on him a little bit later in this game. Hit a triple uh, to make it 7-5. to five. Uh, Actually, uh, I, I forgot to mention... Um, actually, no, no, this is the next game. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, a lot of bad Yankee crap happened in these, these first two games. But, uh, Ligares hits the triple, uh, to, to over, Gar- actually, was this it? Yes, this was it. I don't know why it says it was over Brett Gardner's head. It was the right, this was, this was the play I was talking about. Aaron Judge, who is normally a great defensive right fielder, completely misplays the ball. Like, I thought Judge could have caught this ball for sure. He's normally very, he was playing way too far in, and it goes way over his head, and it ends up being a triple for Juan Lagarde. I don't know why MLB's app says this was over Gardner's head. It was over Aaron Judge's head. It was, it was a triple over Judge's head, and he could have caught it. I, I'm sorry, Aaron Judge could have absolutely caught that ball. Anyways, that makes it 7-5, Angels, but the Yankees would answer back in the top of the sixth, seventh inning, top of the seventh inning, when Giancarlo hits one onto the rock structure that they have in the outfield out in Anaheim. A long, a long home run. Crowd's going crazy. This is Yankee Stadium West we're talking about here, folks. A lot of Yankee fans in Anaheim. Uh, crazy amount. And place is going crazy. Stanton hits this long home run, and then... In the bottom of the eighth inning, unfortunately, the Angels would take the lead for good. Um, Clay Holmes comes in, and he's got two strikes on Ligares. And he just hangs a runner on second, two strikes on Ligares. And Holmes just hangs this brutal breaking ball. The worst pitch he's thrown as a Yankee for sure. And Ligares promptly hits it into the left field corner. To give the Angels the lead, he was thrown out at second, but that was good enough for the Angels who have an 8-7 lead, and Rossell Iglesias came on. Uh, I've been really, Rossell Iglesias might be one of the most underrated pitchers in all of baseball this season. Goes, strikes out two Yankees 
uh, to end the and just a, a dominating effort by Iglesias. More on him in the next game too. But this guy, uh, Michael K, was talking about it on his radio show. He's a free agent after the season, and he is going to get paid a lot of money. He's going to get a lot of money. He's the real deal. He's got 28 saves on the season now, and the Yankees extend their losing streak at that point to three games in a row, an 8-7 to seven loss to the LA Angels. And then they would make it four in a row the next day. Uh, this game sucked. No other way around it. I hated this game. Um, Yankees took a one nothing lead on uh, what was an Anthony Rizzo home run that just barely got over the wall, and I thought they were going to cruise from there. Otani was supposed to pitch in this game. He got hit by a pitch over the weekend, so they had to go with a spot starter. So I thought the Yankees were going to cruise in this game. I'm like, no, Otani, hell yes. Sign me up for that, please. And uh, they got the scoring started, top of the fourth inning. Rizzo hits the home run. But then the Angels answered right back. Jared Walsh in the bottom of the fourth inning. You might remember he hit that grand slam off of Chapman earlier in the season. Walsh um, hits a three-run shot. 3-1 Angels. Um, Gary hit, hit a home run in the top of the fifth inning. His first home run since July 20th at that point. Uh, that made it 3-2, but the Angels would kind of break it open. Phil Gonsolin, who uh, is a good player, hit a two-run single to make it 5-2. And then there was this crazy play in which uh, Gonsolin stole second base. It was a double steal, and Otani races home and steals home. I mean, wow. I mean, what more can Otani do? Look, Judge is having a great season, and I, I think Judge would be right up there among the MVP candidates if it weren't for Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani's a beast. I mean, he's just so good. He's without a doubt the MVP in my book. Uh, I don't, I don't, un- I don't see how you can give it to anybody else. Uh, Gio Urshela unfortunately got kind of hurt on this play. He fell down awkwardly on his hand, uh, making the throw home. Uh, which sucks. He missed the next game, and uh, they're awaiting results of an MRI that they took today, Thursday. Uh, but yeah, Otani steals home. Uh, Angels steal a run. That makes it 6-2. Yankees would get a couple runs closer in the eighth inning on Aaron Judge. RBI single make it 6-3, and then John Carlos Stanton sack fly to make it 6-4, but that was it. The Angels shut it down from there. Iglesias again with another 1-2-3 inning in the ninth inning with two strikeouts. A dominant performance by him. And the Angels win their second game of the series. And, oh my goodness, the Yankees of old were back in this one, folks. They hit into five double plays. Five double plays. Gallo hit into one. His 11th in his career. Only 11th in his career. I was reading something like 40% of his career double plays have happened in the last three days. Crazy stuff. Gardner hit into one. LeMahieu hit into one, and Stanton hit into two. So that's five double plays for the Yankees. Feeling like the Yankees of old are back, folks. Feeling like the uh, the first half Yankees. Like, all their speed was gone. It was frustrating. Jamison Tyone was not very good in this game. He gave up six runs. He looked good to start. He was striking people out. He was mowing people down. And he just lost control. He gave up that home run to Walsh and just was never the same after that. So, Yankees lose this game. That's four in a row at this point. But the ace stopped things yesterday with a great performance by the AL Cy Young winner, who I think should be the AL Cy Young Award winner. 
And that would be Garrett Cole, who has been unstoppable since coming off the COVID IL. He's been absolutely amazing. He's been an absolute beast. He's got an ERA below one since coming off the COVID IL. And, I mean, this, without a doubt, I mean, look, it's hard to choose between the 129-pitch, one nothing masterpiece in Houston right before the All-Star break or this for his best start of the season. Cole was amazing. I mean, he absolutely shut down in front of his family and friends in Southern California. Cole delivered. Yankees needed a big start to end the losing streak, and they absolutely get one from the ace, the best pitcher in the American League, and the future Cy Young Award winner, Garrett Cole, who struck out 15. 15. I mean, holy smokes. That's only happened a handful of times in Yankee history. 15 strikeouts. It's an incredible performance by the undisputed, unquestioned ace of this team. Every time, Garrett Cole is a beast. I mean, he's just so good. He's been, without a doubt, one of the best pitchers in baseball all season. And like I said, I think he will win the AL Cy Young Award. I mean, this performance, I think, absolutely, what a, he's so good. Cole, so good. He struck out Otani three times. I mean, Otani's going to win the MVP. And Cole just manhandled him. He struck him out three times. Didn't even look close at times. And the thing I like the most was just how Cole refused to come out. He had thrown 101 pitches through six innings. And Boone, he just looks at Boone and says, just shakes his head, no, I am not coming out of this game. So he comes back out for the seventh inning and proceeds to strike out two more to give him 15 on the day. I mean, what more can you say about this guy? I mean, this is why the Yankees got him. I mean, I stood up on my couch after he struck out the last batter, and I was like, you fucking animal, Cole! Let's go! Uh, I was so fired up. So fired up. 116 pitches, 17 strikes, no walks, only one run allowed. People were saying he was tiring in the sixth inning. Well, he shut it down. Uh, Just to give you the Yankees scoring summary, uh, Luke Voigt hit a two-run single in the top of the third inning that made it 2-0. Uh, and then in the top of the fourth inning, with two outs, um, Brett Gardner drove home Rugnet Odor, who got on base via a drag bunt. I love when the Yankees do that. I love small ball like that. Uh, and Brett Gardner uh, with another big hit. All Brett Gardner does is get big hits, folks. All he does is get big hits. Uh, Angel scored a run in the bottom of the sixth inning, like I said, but Cole shut it down from there. Uh, and the judge gave the Yankees a little insurance in the top of the eighth inning. With a home run to left field, his 30th of the year. as the second most now that Judge has hit in a season. Uh, remember, he hit 52 in his rookie season. This is the second most he has hit in a season. Like I said, I think Judge would be an MVP candidate if it weren't for a guy named Shohei Otani, who struck out three times in this game. So, Cole comes in, stops the Yankees losing streak at four, gets them back on track. And they win, they salvaged the last game in Anaheim uh, against the Angels. 4-1, they end the road trip 5-4, which you will take. A, a long road trip like that, you will absolutely take uh, 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 f- uh, five wins on the road trip. Absolutely, you will take it. Um, so, I mean, like I said, things are pretty good in Yankee land right now. I mean, even with the losing streak, 
I'm, I wasn't panicking. Did I want them to win the games? Yes. Of course I wanted them to win every game possible. But, you know, they won 13 in a row. So it's hard to be mad. And Tampa's just so good. As a baseball fan, as a Yankee fan, I hate the Rays. But as a baseball fan, I can appreciate what the Rays are doing. Small pay, One of the smallest payrolls in baseball. And they're a first place team. They went, went to the World Series last year. I know it was a weird season, but they went to the World Series last year, and they could be going there again this year. They're 9-1 and in their last 10 games. They won nine in a row before last night when the Red Sox beat them. So here's the standings right now. A lot of people were like, go for the division, go for the division, go for the division. Yankees are seven games behind the Rays. I don't see it happening. I do not see the Yankees catching the Rays. They only have three games left with them, and they're at the end of the season. The Yankees are going to have to make up some ground for those games to matter. Now, the schedule, we'll get into that in a minute, gets a little easier for the Yankees, I would say. Um, they do play 20 games in a row, but um, it, it, it's manageable. It's manageable. And at the wild card right now, uh, just taking a look at it, the Yankees have a two-game lead for the first wild card over the Red Sox. But like I said, Red Sox are going through some COVID issues. Would be nice. We'll see. I don't, I, you know, you don't wish COVID on anybody, but we'll see if, the Red Sox are able to survive all these. Co- I mean, Xander Bogarts is a huge loss. He's out for at least 10 days. So I, 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 we'll see if the Red Sox are able to hold on to that second wild card spot. Oakland is two games back uh, of the Red Sox right now. They are not playing great baseball despite their two wins against the Yankees over the weekend. So the Red Sox might just hold on. But we will see. This is going to be a very interesting September um, let's get into the Yankees' upcoming schedule now. Um, they are off today, Thursday, the day I'm recording, uh, September 2nd for reference. Uh, they will be playing tomorrow. They start a three-game series against the useless Orioles. The Orioles are useless, man. I You couldn't beat Tampa Bay one time. I mean, seriously, they, they, the Orioles are useless. The Orioles come into this series 41-91. and 91, 50 games under 500. Like, holy, that is bad. That's bad, folks. That's not good. As a former Yankee manager once said, it's not what you want. So, three-game series at the stadium uh, starting Friday. Nestor Cortez will be on the mound for the Yankees in the first game. He's 2-2 two and two with a 2.77 earned run average. He's going up against John Means, who's 5-6. and six. He's the Orioles' best pitcher by far. With a 3.46 earned run average. He also pitched a no-hitter earlier this season in Seattle. Uh, back when things didn't look as bleak for the Orioles as they do right now. So um, that's the Friday game. The Saturday game is Jordan Montgomery for the Yankees. 5-5 five and five with a 3.52 earned run average. Pitched pretty well in his last start against Oakland. Uh, he's going up against Ellis for the Orioles. His first name is Chris Ellis. Uh, he's 1-0 with a 3.09 earned run average. Uh, and then the Sunday game is Corey Kluber. Uh, his second start since coming back off the IL. 4-3 with a 3.61 earned run average. He's going up against Aiken for the Orioles. His first name is Keegan Aiken. Um, he is 2-8 with a 6.90 earned run average. No excuses to lose these games. The Orioles are trash. Beat up on them the way Tampa Bay did. I mean, they're so bad. I mean, the Orioles stink. Outside of Cedric Mullins and Trey Mancini, they have pretty much nothing. So, 
The Orioles are really bad. Please take care of business in this series. Uh, that's all. I, that's all I can ask for as a Yankee fan. And then after that, so like I said, this starts a stretch of twenty straight games for the Yankees. Twenty straight days of game. The good news is they are not traveling far for this series. Almost every single for these games, almost every single one of the twenty games is in New York, save for a three-game series in Baltimore. Here's the here's the stretch of games. So they have the three-game series this weekend against the Orioles. Then they have a four-gamer against the Toronto Blue Jays. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's pretty big. Toronto has fallen out of the race, but I, I would like a split of that series. That would be ideal. Toronto has still got some talent. Then there's the series against the Mets. That's going to be a very emotional night. Uh, it's the 20th anniversary. It's going to be an emotional series all around. It's the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Um, that Saturday game at City Field. It's going to be very emotional for the city of New York. Uh, 9-11, of course, being the worst day in the history of our city. Um, and just the worst day in the history of America, honestly. And um, so that's going to be an emotional series uh, at City Field. I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. The Mets, we'll get to them in the outro. A lot of news surrounding the Mets this week. Uh, and most of it, not very good. So we'll talk about that in the outro. After that... They have the makeup game against Minnesota. The ser- you might remember they, they just played Minnesota last weekend. The last game of the series was postponed due to rain, crazy rain in the New York area that day. Uh, that's a 2.05 first pitch on Monday, uh, September 13th. Then they go to Baltimore for the three game series. That, like I said, as the furthest the Yankees have to travel on this stretch to Baltimore. As a three game series, the Orioles stink. The Orioles suck. Win those games. That's at Camden Yards. And then they come back to the stadium for a three-game series against uh, the Cleveland uh, soon-to-be Guardians. Right now, still the Indians, but they'll be the Guardians next year, assuming that roller derby team or whatever they are doesn't sue them. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Cleveland, uh, that's a three-game series. Cleveland, not very good. Uh, and then after that, Texas, another team, not very good. So that is the next stretch of game for the Yankees. I think there are a lot of winnable games in that stretch. Then they finally get the day off on September 23rd before going to Boston to play the Red Sox. So, take advantage of this schedule. Take advantage of the fact that pretty much damn near all these games are in New York and the Baltimore game, I mean, that's going to be basically three extra Yankee home games at Camden Yards. So... Take advantage of this. Pound that wild card lead. I think it's a long shot to catch Tampa Bay at this point. But just just take care of business, Yankees. Take care of business in these 20 straight games, starting with the Orioles this weekend. All right, folks, that'll do it for the Yankees segment. Thank you for bearing with me. This was a long one. We had a lot to break down this this series. A lot of games, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Garrett Cole's a beast. He should win the AL Cy Young. Um, And, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say. Let's get into today's super long outro. Wait, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit, folks. Before we get into today's outro, I do want to talk about some of the other things that are happening in baseball right now. Because it's been great. Baseball's really exciting. It's it's back. It's hot in the streets. Um, So... I want to talk about um, some of the other races that are going down. 
there are a couple divisions that are basically done and dusted. For example, the AL Central has been done and dusted for a while. The White Sox have a 10-game lead uh, over the Cleveland baseball team, whatever you want to call them. So they are, as for all intents and purposes, the AL Central is done. Uh, the AL West also appears to be mostly done. Uh, the Astros have a five-game lead over Oakland right now. So, and the Astros, as much as we hate them, as evil as they are, are a pretty good team. So I expect them to hold on to their lead in the division and make the playoffs. Uh, in the NL, uh, things are... Let's start with the West, honestly, because the NL West is really interesting right now. Um, the Dodgers just took the lead back from the Giants for the first time since May 29th, as the first time the Giants have been out of first place since May 29th. Now, these are two really good teams. I expect them to continue to battle back and forth the rest of the season. Uh, they will both be in the wild... Uh, one of them will be in the wild card game for sure, but you obviously want to avoid the wild card game at all costs because it's such a crapshoot. It's winner take all. And... Um, yeah, so I'm sure the Dodgers want to avoid that. They've been playing some pretty good baseball lately. They're winners of three straight games. Uh, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. Meanwhile, the Giants have lost four in a row. They're about to play the Brewers today. Uh, I'm, I'm recording this a little bit early on Thursday. That game is at 3.30. It's broadcasted exclusively on YouTube. So the Brewers are going for the sweep in that series. Speaking of the Brewers, they have a 10.5 game lead. Uh, over the Cincinnati Reds right now uh, in the in the uh, NL Central. So the Brewers are looking good to win the NL Central. I've mentioned Corbin Burns, of course, being uh, a great pitcher in his own right. He could possibly win the NL Cy Young. If Cole can win the AL Cy Young, Corbin Burns could definitely win the NL Cy Young. Um, and uh, in the NL East, um, I said we'll talk about the Mets in the outro because there's a lot happening there there's a lot to unpack um so we'll talk about the Mets when we get to the outro but they're right now five games out of the la of the NL East race the Phillies are two games out that they've won five games in a row I'm actually watching the Phillies play the Nationals right now it's a day game at Nats Park and there's nobody there um they're the Nationals right now are leading that game three nothing um Soto just hit a home run and um the, the Phillies are going for their sixth straight win. Uh, the Nationals' bullpen is trash, so I expect them to get it. <laughs> Three runs is nothing for this Nats team to blow. I mean, they blow leads all the time. So, um, I, I don't know. But the Braves, I thought, were doing really well, even without Acuna. Um, and even without Soroka, they've been just really crushing it on this second half. Um but not as much lately. Only four and six in their last ten games. Losers of three straight. They did. They have played the Giants and the Dodgers, who are the two best teams in the NL. But still, a bit of a, str a rough stretch for Atlanta right now. Um, as far as the wild card goes, we've already talked a little bit about the American League, American League wild card right now. Red Sox have a two-game lead over the Oakland A's. Uh, Seattle is still in it. They're three and a half games back. Uh, Toronto is four and a half games back. I don't expect Seattle or Toronto to make it. I think it's between the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the A's for the two wild card spots. And we'll see who gets it. Uh, and as far as the NL wild card goes, it's super tight. The NL wild card right now is extremely tight. Um, the Giants 
by virtue of falling out of first place, now have the first wild card spot, and they have a 13 game lead for the first wild card spot. So I would say that's pretty safe. The second wild card spot is where things get interesting. The Reds have been playing some good baseball lately. I, I saw some of their highlights yesterday. Uh, Castellanos, my man. Uh, of course, something tra- we got tornadoes ripping throughout the country, and of course, Nick, <laughs> Nick Castellanos hits a home run. Hits two home runs, including a grand slam yesterday. So uh, Castellanos is a beat. I love that guy. That guy, like Nick Castellanos, can play for my ball team any day of the week. That guy is a beast. Uh, and I mean that Reds lineup with him, Votto, Jesse Winkler. They got some good players on that Reds team, and right now they are the second wild card in the NL. Behind them, by only half a game, is the San Diego Padres, who have struggled in the second half. Have not been as good as they were in the first half. Uh, I know Tatis was injured for a little bit; he lost some time, but they have not been as good as they. I mean, we thought the Padres. Were playoff lock. In fact, I remember at the start of the season, we felt like the Dodgers and the Padres were both playoff locks. Now, the Dodgers, it looks like, are going to get in. The Padres are going to be fighting for that second wild card spot. And we'll see how it goes from there. The Phillies are only two and a half games out of the second wild card spot right now. Like I said, they've won five games in a row and are playing the Nationals right now. So they're looking to make up some ground. Uh, and the Cardinals are also only two and a half games out. Uh, they, they played the, the big series against Cincinnati right now. They can make up some ground there, but I, I think Cincinnati's a better team than the Cardinals overall, and I think Cincinnati will be fighting with San Diego. I think it's going to ultimately come down to Cincinnati and San Diego for that last spot. I, I don't see the Phillies or the Cardinals making it. Mets five and a half out. I don't see that, honestly, even though they've won three games in a row. Uh, I don't really see that with the Mets. And... Um, if, they, if the Mets win, it's going to be the division. If the Mets make the playoffs, it's going to be the division, in my opinion. Uh, so that is just a quick little synopsis of everything else that's happening in Major League Baseball right now. Um, I, I, like I said, I think Cole will win the Cy Young. I think Corbin Burns can win the NL Cy Young. I think Otani is definitely the AL MVP. The NL MVP is up for grabs. Could be Tatis. Could be Freeman. Could be any number of guys. Vado, Castellanos. Uh, I don't know. It could be anybody in the NL right now. So keep an eye on that as we head down the stretch. I'm sorry I jumped the gun earlier, folks, but now it is time for the outro. Let's get into today's outro. All right, folks, it is time for today's outro. You know how the outro goes. We go through all the headlines that we may have missed over the last week in the sports world both nationally and internationally. There's a lot to get to this week. I have a feeling I'm going to be honestly stopping my record several times just to get all correct details on some of the stuff that's happened this week. Uh, But I have to start with this crazy Bishop Sycamore story, uh, which is just, we did not expect this to blow up the way it did. And this story is nuts. I have been wrapped up in this story from the start when I first heard about this I guess it was Monday morning when I first heard that that this that this crazy story with Bishop Sycamore so just for summary there was um this high school football game was played on ESPN it was IMG Academy which is this huge school in Florida for those of you who don't know it's like a big college prep school for athletes basically it's 
uh, where you go to get recruited by the top D1 colleges. Many football players have come from the IMG Academy. They are one of the best football teams in the country. They were on ESPN on Sunday. They were playing this school called Bishop Sycamore, which, honestly, a lot of people did not know about. But I guess they sounded prestigious enough to be on this on this game. Now, midway, like a little bit through the game, it's 38 to nothing, IMG Academy. Not even midway through the game. Second quarter, it's 38 to nothing, IMG Academy. The broadcaster for ESPN, Anish Shroff. Shout out to Anish Shroff, by the way, because I've met Anish Shroff. I met him while I was at High Point. He came to speak to my sports broadcasting class. He is an awesome dude and a great guy, and he always keeps it real. And like I've I followed him on Twitter and Instagram since then, and Anish Shroff always keeps it real. And Anish Shroff was broadcasting this game, and he straight up said, "Yeah, we tried to do our research on this on Bishop Sycamore. We were told by the coaches and that they have a number of D one level prospects, and we were unable to verify that. Like they." they a lot of the roster did not have positions. They just had names. They just had names and numbers for their roster. Basic, bare-bones stuff. So, that, of course, re- re- la- ugh, raised some red flags among a lot of people. And people started kind of like looking in to this Bishop Sycamore school. It turns out, not only... They had just played a game on Friday! And they were on national television on ESPN on Sunday? How did they get do how did ESPN and Paragon, the company that that helps ESPN find these high school games, get duped so badly? So fine the game ends up on sun on Sunday, I guess IMG Academy. Of course IMG Academy crushes the shit out of Bishop Sycamore. They beat him fifty-eight to nothing. And then that's when the investigating really begins. And people find out they just played on Friday. They had just played another school in Pennsylvania on Friday. And are they even a real school? It, like, that's, that's the thing. It, to me, the first thing that came to mind when I heard this was kind of sounds like South Harmon Institute of Technology from the movie Accepted. Remember that movie with Justin Long? Uh, the, the, Ryan, when he creates his own college to make his parents think he's a real success. This felt like that to me. So I have an article here. From the good folks at SB Nation. And I'm going to read you the timeline of how things have gone over the last couple of days. Since uh, Sunday, August 30th, when people started to um, look into this. So, on August 30th, 2021, as people begin to dig more into Bishop Sycamore, the more suspect the school becomes. It has two listed addresses. One appears to be a house in a residential area. The other is at a library at Franklin University in Columbus. And so here's a tweet from Texas Football Life, at TXFB Life. This is the listed address of Bishop Sycamore. The school Duncanville is playing on, nine, that must be a high school in Texas, on September 10th. It appears to be a duplex. The other address is listed on their MaxPreps accounts, lists the Franklin University Library Building as an address. So, and then after that, they fire Roy Johnson, who's their head coach. It turns out that this guy, Roy Johnson, has an active arrest warrant against him. Like, are you you let this guy go? An active arrest warrant? I, I, you, I don't know. You. So he gets fired 
after coaching two games in three days for Bishop Roy Johnson. You let him coach even though he's got an active arrest warrant? Uh, the Athletics, uh, also on August 31st, the Athletic Director Andre Peterson fires back and claims that he's running a scam because, as he tells USA Today Sports, quote, I'm not gaining anything financially from doing this. It should be noted that as of August 30th, there was an active GoFundMe account trying to raise $20,000 for Bishop Sycamore, which had been shut down. It received $140. Also on that day, Bishop Sycamore shuts down their website, which was just a template on how to get recruited by college football. It closes it down for maintenance, but archives are still available, of course. And then schools, you know, realize, uh, schools that were scheduled to play a Bishop Sycamore realize, like, what the hell is going on here? And they realize that this is clearly not what they signed up for. They start backing out of their games against Bishop Sycamore. So that's all within the last couple of days. Like I mentioned, I mean, this is just an insane story. And going back in time... Uh, I'm going back in time here. The fall that Roy Johnson was named the head coach in 2018, he started an online charter school called Christians of Faith Academy. The school had the same identical goal as Bishop Sycamore would go on to have, helping at-risk youth. After scrutiny by state officials, it was impossible to determine whether classes were actually taking place, and the school's license was eventually revoked. Johnson was later investigated for fraud. So yeah, this Roy Johnson guy... He's a shady. He's a shady guy. He's a, he's he's not. He's he's this guy's not on the level. He's he's not a normal guy. This this Roy Johnson. Um, I started. I read some articles. People saying how the conditions were. They had people living in a hotel until the check bounced, basically. And the, a lot of these players, these quote unquote players on the Bishop Sycamore roster, are not high school level. They're not high school age. They're, they're older than that. They're, I mean, what the hell? Like, how, how is this? Huh? And, of course, you look at this game that they're playing against IMG Academy. They're clearly overmatched. IMG is basically a pro team compared to Bishop Sycamore. This is, without a doubt, one of the craziest stories I have ever followed in my life. Um, and so... Here's how just everything that's happened since 2021. They, uh, spin, they spinned up an online hype machine through a website which has since been shut down showing it's closed for maintenance. In it, nothing is mentioned of educational goals or support for students. Instead, the only information available is a series of blog posts detailing upcoming private workouts for college teams and how the high school recommends players create highlight clips to be noticed. Like I said, it's a template on how to get recruited by D1 schools. So they, they basically ran a fraud here. Like this is the South Harmon Institute of Technology of high school football. And wow, I mean, I have never seen anything like this. This story was out of control and from the start. Um, and how did Paragon, the company that puts high school football on ESPN, how did they not know? I mean, how did they allow this to happen? I mean, seriously. This was stupid, man. It's stupid as a very bad look for espn I, I almost feel and especially paragon like i've never heard of this company paragon as you can probably guess i'm not really a huge high school football fan but how did they allow this to happen i how did the how did paragon and espn combined allow this to happen i i don't get it i don't get it this story is crazy but 
A shout out to Anish Shroff, the ESPN broadcaster, for keeping it real and being like, this is a load of crap. Like, there's no way this should have ever been allowed. Like, he even said, like, he was concerned for the safety of the players on the field. And just this story just got crazier and crazier as the week went on. I, it's just nuts. This Bishop Sycamore story is nuts. And um, I, I don't know. I, I don't expect them to play any more games this season now that people have realized how shady it is. They basically tricked their way onto ESPN. I mean, come on. What a joke, guys. What a joke this Bishop Sycamore story is, honestly. And, um, yeah, uh, the coach, he's gone. If I were the police, I would, I mean, now they know where he is. He was on national television with his face shown prominently. And if he's got an arrest warrant against him, I mean, arrest him. He, he doesn't seem like a very good guy. He sounds like an asshole, personally. So I would, I would arrest this piece of shit. Um, the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, is starting an investigation into the Bishop Sycamore program. Uh, here's an article from NPR. Uh, days after the blowout loss on t- national television, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has launched an investigation into the high school football program at Bishop Sycamore High School and the school's legitimacy. Bishop Sycamore failed to score a single point in the game, which was broadcasted on ESPN. As the team's opponents widened their lead, viewers and even the ESPN announcers started expressing concerns about the matchup. About the matchup. Bishop Sycamore eventually lost 58 to nothing. In a statement released by the governor's office, DeWine said the, school, the Department of Education would investigate further into Bishop Sycamore regarding recent allegations against the charter school. Like many Ohioans, I am concerned about the recent reports and questions raised about Bishop Sycamore. While this weekend's football game brought concerns about the health and safety of players, it also raised red flags about the school's operations, DeWine said. DeWine said schools like Bishop Sycamore, quote, have an obligation under Ohio law to meet certain minimum standards, but whether Bishop Sycamore meets those standards is not entirely clear. I have asked the Ohio Department of Education to conduct an investigation into Bishop Sycamore to ensure compliance with Ohio law and to ensure the school is providing the educational opportunities Ohio students deserve, DeWine said. Bishop Sycamore High School, the supposed school in Columbus, Ohio, is not recognized by the Ohio High School Athletic Association, and the Department of Education lists no charter school with its name, according to local TV station WCMH. Uh, I was also reading about this journalist. I don't remember his name. But this guy was in Ohio, in Columbus, was basically hyping up Bishop Sycamore like they were a legitimate program. I feel like he has a role involved in it as well. Uh, Like I mentioned, the school's official website has been taken down for maintenance. Uh, In an official filing to the Ohio Department of Education, Bishop Sycamore School officials say the school is, quote, one of the best academic institutions in the country, according to Columbus Dispatch. Then why can't we find, why is your school listed as an apartment complex? I mean, seriously. What a shady story. I don't have much more to add on this, honestly. We've already talked about it for 12 minutes. But this was, without a doubt, in my opinion, the story of the week in sports, uh, at least in the U.S. Um, Just crazy stuff. And uh, I hope that this school gets shut down. Uh, If anything gets added in the next couple of hours or so, uh, I will add this to the story. But, man, Bishop, what a crazy story. What a crazy story. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on it. All right, folks, Pat Stein, the Mets are in the news again. And, uh, what a, I mean, this is just another crazy week for the Mets. I mean, every, every, they are the least normal franchise ever. I, I, don't, I don't know 
how Mets fans do it, honestly. I am a Knicks fan, and I have dealt with a lot of crazy shit in my life. I don't know how Mets fans deal with this. Like, it seems like on an, a weekly basis, something crazy is happening with the Mets. Like, something totally abnormal is, is happening with the Mets. So, um, on Sunday, um, let me go to the, the scoring. I, I'm going to go to the scoring summary of the Sunday game for the Mets. They were playing the Nationals uh, at City Field. I actually watched some of this game. Um, they were playing the Nationals at City Field. I'm trying to remember uh, who hit home runs first. Um for the Mets in this game, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't get in the September schedule. I want the uh, August schedule. Here we go. Uh, there we are. Mets win the game nine to four. Baez, Javier Baez, uh, who the Mets got from the Cubs at the trade deadline. Um, he's missed some time, but um, he's drawn. I, he's drawn the ire of some Mets fans already. And Baez hits a home run in this game. And after he hits the home run. Baez gives the thumbs down to his teammate Francisco Lindor, his teammate and his best friend, Francisco Lindor. They start giving the thumbs down to each other. So everybody's like, okay, that's kind of weird. What, what's that? And so they ask Baez after the game, and he's like, I'm boo-. he basically says, that was for the fans. The fans have been booing us all season, and you know, we're, giving the, the, we're giving the fans the thumbs down, which, I mean, that is not a way to endear yourself to fans. Now, look, I, I have been... I don't, I don't think booing is... Gr- I'm not a huge fan of booing, personally. Uh, especially when a guy's been on a team for, like, five minutes, like Javier Baez has. But um, I, I, I get why fans boo. I mean, you, have, you paid for your tickets. You have the right to do whatever you want, in, in my opinion. Uh, so, but to, to boo, for players to do that, to boo the fans like that is just... It's just not cool, in my opinion. I, I, don't, I, don't like what Bi- I don't like this celebration from Lindor and Baez. I thought it was pompous. And I was, ang- I was, angry. I was angry for the Mets, honestly. I was, I was angry that they, they allowed this to happen and that they allowed the players to run the show like this. And um, it just felt like, you know, like, you know, what can go wrong will go wrong to the Mets. Like, you know, they win the game, but there's... That's not the story. The story is not that the Mets won the game. It's that Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor acted like a bunch of dicks, honestly. And so, the next game against the Marlins uh, is a suspended game. And this has been this is literally the number one story in New York all day. I listened to WFAN and I listened to 98.7. And they both, all both of them were talking about this all day, saying Baez is a clown. Michael K was like, Baez should... They, Michael K... Straight up said the Mets should release Baez, which I think is a little much personally. But I, I, I don't. I would. I would not. I would not resign him. Is what I would do. I would just let him go. And I think a lot of teams are seeing the type of guy Javi Baez is with stuff like this. So I don't know. I I, I wouldn't release him. But this was the hot story um, on, on New York radio. Uh, for a day at least. I mean, the Mets weren't playing on Monday, so they didn't really get a chance to defuse the situation. Um, so then they do play on. They play a, a doubleheader on Tuesday, uh, and um, Baez and Lindor. By the way, Lindor has been awful his first season as a Met, uh, and he's here for 13 more years. So I mean, the 10-year part of the deal doesn't even kick in until next year. So 
Lindor is here for a while. He's had a terrible first year in New York. He was getting. We even talked about this back in April. We were talking about Lindor getting booed by Mets fans, and and so he and Baez are best buds, and so they both come out before the game on on Tuesday, the doubleheader game, and they apologize. Uh, unfortunately, uh, well, not unfortunately, that does not stop the fans from booing Baez in the first game. The first game starts. Baez, uh, it's actually the resumption of a suspended game from April. So Baez wasn't even on the Mets when this game started. And uh, so he comes in in the eighth inning to pinch hit. And there's not a ton of people at City Field. Like I said, this was a last-minute makeup game, makeup suspension game at City Field. So there's not a ton of people at City Field. The Mets are losing at this point. The fans just the fans who are there start booing, uh, giving him the thumbs down, and um, but I mean I, I I get it. They should boo. They they should I, after what Baez did, I'd boo too. Honestly, I'd boo too. And so um, the Mets actually have a some hell of a comeback in this game. Honestly, uh, in the ninth inning, and Baez is a big part of it. He comes up in the ninth inning. The Mets are trailing 5-3, uh, to three, and Baez gets an infield... Like, I would, could you ask for anything more dramatic than Javi Baez, after what he's gone through the last couple of days, coming up with a chance to tie the game. He got runners on second and third. Uh, I believe two outs at that point. Yeah, two outs. And Baez, he doesn't tie the game, but he gets an infield hit that brings the Mets to within a run. Conforto, another struggling Met, a guy who has been slumping all season in Michael Conforto, might have cost himself millions of dollars with this season for the Mets. Conforto hits a line drive to left field. The left fielder, Alfaro, uh, bobbles the ball, and Baez races all the way around from first and scores for the Mets the winning run of the game, and the Mets win the game 6-5. to five. And all-time great call from Gary Cohen. Look, I love the Yankees broadcasters. Uh, Michael Kay, David Cohn, Paul O'Neill, John Flaherty. They're all great. Ryan Rucco. I'm a big fan of all of them. But I got to say, the Mets broadcast booth of Gary, Keith, and Ron is phenomenal. And uh, they always keep it 100. They always keep it real. It always feels like they sum up the big moment really well. And I thought Gary Cohen summed it up excellently when he straight up said, turn those thumbs upside down. Like, he was, he was talking to the fans who were giving Baez the thumbs down. And he was like, turn those thumbs upside down. And I thought it was a great call by Gary Cohen. Like, oh, late. that is exactly what all Mets fans wanted to hear. So, crazy couple of days for Baez. Um, I still don't think the Mets will bring him back after the end of this year. I still think his antics might have cost himself a little bit of money. But he's an exciting player. He's a good player when he does make contact. He swings a lot um, and swings and misses a lot. He reminds me a lot of Stanton, honestly. But um, when he does make contact, the ball goes a long way. I don't think the Mets will re-sign Baez. If they do, they're just basically doing it to keep Lindor happy. But, um, I mean, you can't, can't deny this guy is an electric player. He, every time he's on the field, he feels like he does something Exciting! Like remember when he was with the Cubs earlier this year? That crazy rundown he had in Pittsburgh. I mean, the Pirates just suck. But that was that was that was a crazy play, and scoring the winning run in this game. I mean, just just crazy. Uh, he, he's uh, I I what a wild 
couple of days for the New York Mets. Uh, and it would get even wilder. Um, there's a couple other Mets stories here I want to talk about here. Uh, Pat's going to love that. I mean, it's not all good news, but he's going to love that I'm actually talking about the Mets on this podcast for once. Uh, first off, uh, Noah Syndergaard had been working his way back all season from Tommy John surgery. He got Tommy John surgery uh, spring training last year, 2020. Uh, he's been working his way back all season. First off, the Mets said he had a non-baseball injury, and then they wouldn't get into it any more. And then finally, Decomo, Anthony Decomo, who's like the Brian Hoke of the Mets, um, tweets out that uh, uh, Syndergaard tested positive for COVID. So I don't expect to see Noah Syndergaard again this season. I think Noah Syndergaard might be done, honestly. Uh, and who knows if he's going to – I mean – He's going to have to prove himself kind of similarly to how Matt Harvey did. This is the end of Noah Syndergaard's contract. And so he's going to basically have to prove himself this offseason. He could be doing private workouts and things like that. He might have to settle for a one-year deal, honestly. So that happens to the Mets. Also, their broadcast, their radio announcer, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, I mentioned their TV crew of Gary, Keith, and Ron. Those guys are great. Howie Rose on the radio is also great. Uh, I'm a big Howie Rose fan. Um, he's of course, he was, of course, the Rangers broadcaster for a really long time. He, the, we all remember the Meto, Meto, Meto call. It's iconic in Rangers history and NHL history, arguably the best call in hockey history, in my opinion. Um, Howie Rose announces he's stepping away from uh, the broadcast booth for the rest of the season, uh, starting with the game on Wednesday. Uh, the game on Wednesday actually got rained out, so it started on Tuesday. Uh, he's got to get surgery. We wish Howie, obviously, all of us at a pond for the review with Brian Brennan. Wish Howie Rose nothing but the best. Hope he comes back next season. Howie Rose is awesome. One of the best broadcasters in the business. Put it in the books. is iconic. Uh, I think Charlie Slow has kind of stole uh, Curly W in the books from Howie Rose, honestly. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. It's just true. But uh, Howie Rose is a great broadcaster. He loves the Mets. The Mets love him. And uh, we all wish Howie Rose... A speedy recovery, and hope he comes back soon. Unfortunately, that leads us into some more bad Mets news. Uh, With their GM, uh, whose name escapes me right now. I'm pulling up the uh, article as we speak. Uh, I'll have it. Zach Scott. Zach Scott is his name. Now, this guy was filling in for Jared Porter, who got fired for, uh, you know, Mets GM timeline. Brody Van Wagenen, Jared Porter, Zach Scott. Brody Van Wagenen gets fired, doesn't do a very good job as GM. They bring in um, the uh, Porter, and um, he gets fired for sending inappropriate and racy text messages to a female reporter. And, uh, and then, so they replace him with Zach Scott, who's the interim GM. And uh, it turns out this guy's a piece of shit, too. <laughs> I mean, this guy's a screw this guy, too. So, Steve Cohen had like a function or a gala of some kind at his house in Greenwich, Connecticut. And Zach Scott was there, and he left Steve Cohen. From what I can gather, he left Steve Cohen's event around 9 p.m. or so. Seven hours, six hours later, he gets arrested for DUI. So here's the article I have from CNBC of all places. Uh, New York Mets acting general manager Zach Scott was arrested on DUI and other charges and has been barred from traveling with the Major League Baseball team as a result. Court documents show that Scott, 44, was arrested at 4.30 a.m. on Tuesday 
by police in White Plains, New York, in Westchester County after being found stopped in his 2018 Toyota. Scott lives in the nearby suburb of Rye. Scott, on Monday night, had been at the home of Connecticut home of Mets owner Steve Cohen, the controversial former hedge fund operator for a charity event to benefit the Amazing Mets Foundation, according to a team spokesman. The soiree at Cohen's residence ended at between 8.30 p.m. and 9 p.m., up to eight hours before police found Scott in his car in downtown White Plains, less than one quarter mile away from the police department. In addition to being charged with driving while intoxicated, which is a misdemeanor, Scott was issued a traffic ticket for allegedly, quote, stopping slash standing slash parking on the highway, disobeying a traffic control advice, and failing to notify the Department of Motor Vehicles about a change in address. Scott is due to appear Thursday morning, so today, in White Plains County Court, City Court, it's in Westchester. Uh, I mean, this just, uh, uh, I don't even know where, I it's just like one story after another with the Mets. I mean, can the Mets hire a GM who doesn't totally suck? I mean, how this is they got to go for, like now that Steve Cohen's the owner and he's got billions of dollars in the bank and we saw it, we saw him with the Lindor extension. Get these pieces of shit out of your organization and bring in someone like Theo Epstein. I mean, seriously, it's not that hard, Steve Cohen. If you're that great of, you know, of an owner as everybody makes you out to be, can't be that hard to bring in a real GM who's not a scumbag like this guy is. So, yeah, I think the interim GM will not be the GM for much longer. And um, this is just another Metsy story in what has been a very Mets-filled week. So uh, the Mets can just never stay out of the headlines for whatever good reason. I mean, it's just all kinds of crap with the Mets. I'd be fed. I... I like I said at the start, I am a Knicks fan, and I haven't put up with I, I think the Mets might... It's hard to tell who's the most dysfunctional organization in New York. Is it the Mets? Is it the Jets? Is it the Knicks? I, I don't know. Um, all those organizations suck. But yeah, what a week for the Mets. Um, I, I just... What a... Can they ever have a normal... Like, can ever... Like, is outside of... Like, 69 and 86, the Mets have been very abnormal. Even when they make the World Series. You know, in 2015, they lose in five. They have a lead in every game, and they lose every game. It's, it's got to be really frustrating for Mets fans. Pat Steins of the world. Uh, and, um, you know, I just, I, I hope. Look, honestly, Steve Cohen has not impressed me that much in his first year as owner of the Mets. I hate, like, everybody expected, like, sweeping changes when Steve Cohen became owner of the team. And we haven't gotten that. We haven't not gotten cha- like the changes that we've been expecting. Like, it honestly feels very Wilpon-like to me, the way this organization's been run the first year of Steve Cohen. So that's just, I, I mean, I know I've spent 15 minutes talking about the Mets so far, but uh, I, I, I just hope Steve Cohen, get off Twitter. You know, honestly, I, you know, Pat and I have talked about this. At the beginning of the season when Steve Cohen was tweeting stuff out, like, it seemed kind of funny, but now it's just stupid. Uh, like, he's just tweeting dumb stuff like, I really hope the team wins today. Like, yeah, no shit, of course you hope the team wins today. You're the owner of the team. Like, oh my goodness, Steve Cohen. All right, we're going kind of long, so I'm going to stop talking about the Mets now. Um, but, man, I'm sorry, Pat. I, I know you're listening, but what a week for the Mets. Uh, but they're still in the playoff race, as we talked about a few minutes ago. So we'll see how the rest of the season goes.
All right, we are going very long. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize how long this episode was going. I apologize. But also, we did not do an episode last Friday, so I feel like I kind of owe it to you guys to do a double episode, I guess, of sorts this week. So this is going to be kind of a longer episode than normal because I still have a couple more things I want to talk about in today's outro. But um, Cam Newton got cut uh, by the New England Patriots this week. Um, I was a little surprised by that, honestly. I thought Cam Newton was for sure going to at least be the starter for the New England Patriots for their first couple of games. Um, But they have decided to go with Mac Jones as the full-time starter. I mean, first off, you guys know I'm not a huge college football fan. In fact, I literally literally could not care less about the season starting this weekend. Um, But how about that Alabama quarterback's room in 2018? It had Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa. And uh, Jalen Hurts, and now all three of them are starting in the NFL. I'm excited to see Mac Jones and how he does. People are like, oh, he's going to be Belichick's next Tom Brady. I think that's a little extreme. Um, But I am excited to see how Mac Jones does. I'm sure Ethan's also very excited to see how Mac Jones does as a Patriots fan. Um, And yeah, the AFC East is filled with young quarterbacks between uh, Jones and Tua Tagovailoa and um, uh, Zach Wilson of the Jets, Josh Allen is actually the oldest quarterback in the AFC East, and he's 24 years old. So, uh, oldest starting quarterback that is, um, I, I, yeah, he's the oldest starting quarterback. But um, that, this is going to be fun. I'm excited to watch these kids grow. Uh, I think Zach Wilson's going to be good for the Jets. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm excited to see how he'll do. Uh, I think Tua, I, I've always been impressed with Tua. You guys might remember from the, from earlier in the time of upon further review with Brian Brennan. I always talk about how much I love lefties and I, I root for lefties to do well because I am left-handed myself. So best of luck to all these guys, man. Best of luck to these kids. Have fun out there. It's just a game. Um, and uh, just ball out. I, I, it's going to be a lot of fun watching these kids do well. I, I think that all these quarterbacks are going to be great. Uh, and just Cam Newton, I'm, I'll, I hope he ends up somewhere. He says he wants to be a starter. I mm, I don't know about that anymore, Cam. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he's really cut out for that anymore. And um, you know, I was going to talk about this next. Um, Urban Meyer made some comments about how um, – Urban Meyer is now the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he made uh, some comments about how um, uh, he uh, he would take vaccination status into consideration uh, when when cutting and uh, bringing on players this season. Um, he um, Cam Newton has been rumored. Like Belichick said it had nothing to do with Cam Newton's uh, vaccination status, but I don't know. It's hard to believe that you would cut Cam Newton like you want to start Max Jones fine but cutting Cam Newton a former MVP like that gotta make me think that you know with all the uh, the vaccination um, requirements the NFL is going to have this year I uh, I have to think that that had to play a role somewhat in Cam Newton getting cut um, the Jaguars even had to release a statement saying um, you know we we don't take it in consideration Urban Meyer's wrong I, I don't know. I, I personally, I, I don't know. I, um, I, I, I think Cam Newton's vaccination status definitely had something to do with it. Um, but I, I'm excited for Mac Jones to get his chance. I think he'll do well. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm kind of excited for football. It's still baseball season, folks. It's still baseball season. It's hard to get my attention for football right now. Baseball's like going on. You're going to tell me, like, I, I know ESPN posts about football nonstop, but it's hard for me to get too excited about football right now when we've got all this good baseball going on. Um, nonetheless, we will do, I am hoping to do a football preview roundtable of sorts next week, maybe with Mike, Tim, and Arun. Uh, or we will also, uh, I also want to talk about Donda with Mike, um, which we will talk about in a minute. I'm going to give you my official review of Donda um, and after our next story, um, but I, I'm hoping to do a football-type preview. Uh, I, I think the season's going to be really interesting. Um, I still think the Giants are going to be good. Uh, I think it's, I, I hope they'll have a good season. I, I've been a little discouraged by all the fights going on in training camp, but um, I still think they'll be a good season team. I just hope Daniel Jones you know, really improves this year or really does a good job. And um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on Cam Newton getting cut, and honestly, I really, like, it's just, you know, I, it's hard, I, I, you guys remember, might remember, I had a phase where I really liked Cam Newton, and I really liked the Carolina Panthers, too, in 2015, when I lived down there, I hope he finds a new spot somewhere, I saw a couple of my friends who are uh, Washington football team fans, Paul, the boxing guy, on, was even saying on Facebook, he was saying, I hope Washington football team, that's not what he's not the name he called them, but he said that I hope the Washington football team signs Cam Newton because he saw he's the same like me. He he lives in North Carolina, so he saw Cam Newton play and play and ball out that season of 2015. So we'll see where Cam ends up, but I don't think it's going to be as a starter personally. I think Cam is going to have to be a back out, a backup at this point. Um, he's 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 still got he's still talented, but I I just don't think he's. I mean, the league is going younger at this point. The league is going younger, and it's tough for mobile quarterbacks out there. So best of luck to Cam Newton. Uh, we'll see where he ends up. Guys, I have been getting back into soccer, and I am fired up about it. After a really down season last year for me, I barely watched any soccer last year. I didn't watch any EPL. I didn't watch any of the international games. After this summer for the U.S. men's national team, winning the Nations League, winning the Gold Cup, I am fully, fully back on soccer. I love this sport. It is the greatest. I, I look. I love soccer, man. You cannot. It's it's such a great. I, I'm just such a huge fan of this sport. And um, there's. I mean, this was the best transfer window of all time. Like this was insane. I mean, we talked in the previous weeks about Messi going to PSG. Well, now we have Cristiano Ronaldo who left Juventus. And it looked like he was going to go to Man City. All the reports were saying Ronaldo is going to go to Man City. And it looked like, I was like, that's going to be weird. Because I remember when I was first developing my soccer fandom, watching Ronaldo on Manchester United, and to think that he'd play for their arch rivals, Manchester City, just seems so weird. But then last Friday, all of a sudden the news changes. All of a sudden the winds of change blow. And Cristiano Ronaldo is not going to Manchester City. Instead, he's going to back to Manchester United. Apparently, he got a bunch of texts from former teammates like Rio Ferdinand and even Sir Alex Ferguson himself texted uh, Ronaldo telling him, you should not go to City, you should go back to United. And that is exactly what Cristiano Ronaldo did. So now, one of the most exciting 
players in the world. One of the best players in the world. One of the best players of all time. Return The prodigal son returns home to Manchester United. I mean, this is going to be fun. I, I Look, Arsenal suck this year. No way around it. They got their asses beat 5-0 by City last weekend. Um, they've lost every game in the Premier League so far this season. They haven't even scored a goal in the Premier League this season. I'm still an Arsenal fan, but I'm going to be way locked into the rest of the Premier League. The teams that actually have a chance to win this thing and make the Champions League like Manchester United. I think it's going to be awesome to watch Ronaldo on this team. To see him back at Old Trafford is going to be really exciting, really good for the league. It's going to bring eyeballs back to the Premier League. But people like me who might have been jilted last year after the Super League and all that drama and bullshit. I, I think a lot of people are going to come back to the, to the EPL in a big way this season. And I think Ronaldo is going to help. I mean, that is a loaded team right there. I mean, they got Pogba and and Rashford and all these guys. And they just signed up. There's so many guys. There's a really good Manchester United team. Uh, don't forget, they signed Rafael Varane, too. So... I mean, it all depends on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, their manager. Well, I think is actually a good manager. You know, he gets a lot of criticism because he's a former player, but he's done a good job. Ole's at the wheel, man. I think he's done a good job for this Manchester United team. Can they win the Premier League? I don't know, but getting Ronaldo is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, in other news, um, they, Real Madrid put in some pretty heavy-duty bids for Kylian Mbappe and PSG uh, and... He ended up not going to Real Madrid, at least in this transfer window. So I, I, I'm excited about that because I want to see Mbappe and Neymar and Messi on the same team. Um, but uh, I, I want to see, and I want to see them excel. Like, I actually did watch a little bit of PSG's um, last game because I wanted to see Messi come on. It was a 2-0 win for them. Um, I wanted to see Messi do. He only came on in the 66th minute, but I want to see this three this threesome in action. I mean, these guys are really good. I mean, these are three of the best players in the world, and they're on the same team together. I'm excited. This is going to be awesome. This season of EPL and Champions League is going to be a big bounce back for the sport. I think after the drama and just overall negativity of last season with no fans in the stand. Very similar to the baseball season, if you ask me. No fans in the stands. Uh, just negative energy all around. Um, City won the league with very little, like just running away with it. And um, and I think this year is going to be a lot better. I think this year is going to be a lot. Like Spurs look good. As much as I hate Tottenham, they do look really good. Uh, they've won their first three games, including a win over Manchester City. I watched some of their game against Watford this weekend. Hunmin Son scored a beauty. I mean, it's just a great goal by Son. Um, I'll give him love. I'll give Son and Kane and Deli Alley some love. Those guys are some good players. But as much as I hate Tottenham, um, I, I appreciate great players. And Son is a hell of a player. Uh, so, I mean, and, and I mean... They look like a good team. Um, they look like Santo and Nuno and Nuno Espirito Santo seems like a good hire for them as manager. Chelsea still look good. I watched their game against Liverpool last weekend. Um, even though Chelsea had a player sent off, they were able to salvage a 1-1 draw at Anfield um, in a pretty damn good game, honestly. That was a great game right there. A 1-1 draw at Anfield. 
really good. And credit to Chelsea for standing on their head. And Thomas Tuchel is without a doubt the best manager of the Roman Abramovich era. There have been a lot of them. They've brought in a lot of different names and faces. But I think Tuchel's going to be the one that finally sticks. He won the Champions League last year. Could be working on the Premier League this year. Could be working on another Champions League. So I think Thomas Tuchel is the right guy for the job for Chelsea. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a fun season. It's going to be a fun race the whole way. And we will see how it ends. I think the race for the top four is going to be interesting. All I hope is that Arsenal get out of... Just win a game. Just win a freaking game, Arsenal. I mean, is it that hard? 0-3 to start the season. Um, not scored a goal in the Premier League. Is it really that hard to win a freaking game? I mean, seriously. Arteta is not the answer. Arteta is not the answer for Arsenal. Um, and anyway, just uh, yeah, the international break's going on right now. I actually watched uh, Ireland versus Portugal yesterday. Crazy game for Ronaldo. He uh, he won a penalty and he just slapped the shit out of this player for Ireland. He just slapped him like, "What the hell, Ronaldo? Why do you slap this guy?" And then um, and then he um, scored two goals. He scored two really late goals for Portugal um, to break the all-time scoring record for international play. So, I mean, eventful week for Cristiano Ronaldo. He took his shirt off, of course, and. Flex like flex that beautiful body of his, and um, eventful week for Ronaldo, man. Uh, and I'm excited for his his debut on um, on September 11th uh, for Manchester United. I am definitely going to watch that game. Uh, I I can't remember who they play. Uh, let me pull up. Uh, I mean, we still got a week to go, but still, uh, that's gonna be fun. I saw some stupid ass English. Manchester United fans saying, like, oh, this is going to be the greatest thing that's ever happened on September Just shut up. It's going to be the greatest thing that's ever happened on September 11th. Like, oh, my God, you jerks, you pieces of shit. Mm. Ugh. Ugh. I'm not a fan of those guys. But, yeah, uh, and I'm also excited. I am planning. I, like I said, it is Thursday right now. I am recording. It's 3.10 on Thursday afternoon. I am planning to stay up tonight to watch the U.S. men's national team first World Cup qualifier against El Salvador. This team has me locked in. I love these guys. I love the U.S. men's national team right now. Uh, unfortunately, no Christian Pulisic. He's still working his way back from the COVID very slowly. Um, so he will not be back. He's, they, saw, they, they left him behind. They sent some pictures of him still working out. So hopefully he can come back for the later games of this international break. Uh, no Zach Steffen either. He's working his way back from an injury. But that's okay because we're loaded in goalkeeper at goalkeeper right now. We got the... Great Matt Turner, who shined at the Gold Cup. So, hopefully Matt Turner continues to shine in this game against El Salvador that drops, uh, that comes, that is going to be played right before this podcast episode drops. So, uh, come on, you boys and blue, the men's national team, let's get some wins, let's get some results, and uh, get back to the World Cup. I mean, look, I, I, I think this team has come a long way from the disaster in Trinidad and Tobago. I mean... This summer just proved it. Winning the Nations League. Winning the Gold Cup against your arch-rival Mexico. I mean, what a moment that was. Uh, and we're ranked highly now. I'm not, I can't remember our, our, our exact rankings. There is some legit talent on this team. Christian Pulisic, of course, and Weston McKenney and Tyler Adams. But there's just talent all throughout the U.S. men's that is It's so much fun. I love it. 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 So hopefully they get their qualifying uh, off to a good start and beat um, El Salvador tonight and uh, take care of business in the rest of World Cup qualifying and make it make it to Qatar. 
Um, all right, guys. Uh, two. I'm just gonna give you two quick reviews, and then we are going to get on out of here. Um, first off, Donda is finally out. Donda finally came out on Sunday of all days. It came out on Sunday. Um, I mean, it took forever for this thing to come out. I mean, it was felt like we would never, we were never gonna get Donda. We finally got it. We finally got it, and it's pretty damn good. Um, some songs are better than others, okay? Like, for example, I think the first official song on the album, because there's this intro that's just some woman going, over and over and over again. The first official song on the album is Jail, and Jail is a banger. I love Jail. I think Jail is one of Kanye's best songs ever, honestly. It's really good. And Jay-Z, of course, makes an appearance, and that's huge. For, for those, I mean, I've, I've talked about this on the podcast in the past, but Jay-Z making an appearance on Kanye West's album is enormous. These two have had a frosty relationship for a while now, so to get them back on the same project is exciting. So I am, and Jay-Z even said, this could be the return of the throne. So hopefully it is. I love Off the Grid. I think Off the Grid goes hard. Uh, I love the messy line. We just talked about soccer. I love the messy line. Um, some, you know, Praise God is good, and Jonah, and Junia. I love these songs. Believe What I Say I think is really good. Remote Control. Uh, Moon is, like, really smooth. I really like that song. It's really, really smooth. Um, basically, I have two main complaints. About, I guess three main complaints about this album. One, it's way too long. It is way too long. It is about seven or eight songs too long, I would say. It comes out to an hour and 49 minutes in length. you got to devote... It's like an episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. you got to devote a certain amount of time in your day to listen to this, um, to listen to this album. Um, the second complaint I have... Really, the second and the third complaint I have are kind of the same thing. I do not... Like that, the baby is on this album. Uh, I do not like his verse on Jail Part Two. I would have completely done without that. Um, I, I think it is still way too soon to have the baby on anything, let alone a Kanye West album. But we all know Kanye is a bit of a troll, and he likes to put you know jerks on his album. And speaking of jerks on his album, my third complaint is that Marilyn Manson is on it, and Marilyn Manson, of course, has been in the news a lot lately because he's an asshole too. So, I would not have done without that. I would have done without that, personally. But overall, I like this album. I, I, I like this album a lot, honestly. Um, if I had to rate it, I actually watched Anthony Fantano's review of it yesterday. And I, Anthony Fantano gave it a 7. That sounds about right to me. I, I think it's about a 7 overall. Um, is it long? Yes. It's super long. It's super, super long. But it's, 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 it's good. Is it Kanye's best album? Not even close. And a lot of it feels like it's just thrown together at the last minute. But overall, I, I, I like this album. And I would give it a 7-2. It's not the album of the summer. I still think King's Disease is better. But um, King's Disease 2, that is, by Nas. And um, I, I just, I just, overall, think it's a solid project that uh, we waited a long time for. I mean, Kanye... When, I mean, Kanye was just nuts on this album. It took him forever to release it. It kept getting pushed back. There was all these cryptic messages from Kanye. It was just really weird. Um, but um, 
I'm happy it's out now, and I'm glad we finally got it. And we know Kanye's gonna be tinkering with it a lot, but as of right now, I'm giving this album a seven. Now, let's talk Ted Lasso, baby. Before we wrap up this episode, the last thing we're going to do today is talk about Ted Lasso, the best show on TV, without a doubt. The only show worth watching right now. It is the only show worth watching. So bear in mind, spoilers ahead, as we talk about the most recent episode of Ted Lasso. So Roy Kent is back at Richmond. He's on the coaching sideline, and everything is going great for them right now. Uh, they've won. They've won four games in a row. They're playing Tottenham in the FA Cup. Uh, things are looking good for uh, AFC Richmond right now. And and so Roy Kent comes back, and uh, he's like everybody's stoked that he's there. Um, all the players are stoked, and um, the only player who doesn't seem to be stoked is is Jamie Tart. And um, this was a big episode, I thought, for Jamie. Um, I loved the signal, the flipping the bird. I'll just be brief on this, honestly. I don't need to go into every excruciating detail, but I love the flipping the bird, uh, the signal. I thought that was great. Um, the goal he scored in the FA Cup. So, so Richmond wins the um, – they, they're in the FA Cup against Spurs, and um, they win um, the game. Um, Jamie Tart scores an incredible goal, uh, which actually Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard, released on Twitter this week. Jamie, The actor who played uh, Jamie Tart, he actually scored – uh, Phil Dunster is his name. He scored that goal on his own I, with that, with, uh, on the second try. So really impressive. I mean, the kid's got skills. So he really scored this beautiful goal. So then the game's going on. Ted Lasso has another panic attack. Um, he, he, leaves, uh, he leaves the sideline, and everybody's freaking out. The game is tied. Roy Kent and, and Coach Beard are like arguing over what to do. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Nate comes up with the genius idea to park the bus. He makes a triple substitution. They park the bus. It leads to Tottenham making a mistake and Richmond scoring the game-winning goal to advance to the FA Cup final. Um, they're not the, the FA Cup semifinals at Wembley. So that's great and everything, but Ted Lasso's still missing. Um, there's also a scene in this episode where Ted gets a call from um, his, the school where his, his son goes to. Um, and um, his son, he claims the school called about a missing lunch. Um, but it's very clear from the way Ted, act, Ted acts all worried that he is, it is not a missing lunch. And um, it's something much bigger. And the episode ends with Ted sitting on Dr. Fieldstone's uh, couch saying, I need to make an appointment with you. Also in this episode, we have the revelation that Rebecca's banter matches not Ted. Thankfully, it's not Ted. Instead, it's Sam Obasanya, of all people. Sam Obasanya. So, I have to give a shout-out to Alan Mars, who's a friend of mine. We used to be co-workers at Sirius. Um, he was the first person to point out that there might be any sexual tension between Rebecca and Sam. And, um, and he was right. I would not have guessed Sam in a million years, but Alan was right. So I think they're going to handle this really well. I think they're going to handle the Sam-Rebecca storyline. I think they'll handle it with their typical, you know, great way of handling things, the way things are always handled on this show. Uh, I'm more interested personally in the storyline with Ted and his family. It's obvious he misses his family. It's obvious that his son, I think his son, the call was about his son acting up at school because Ted isn't there. So I think, um, I think they're going to explore that more in the next 
couple of episodes. I also think they're going to explore uh, Jay, um, Coach Beard uh, and his relationship with Jane, um, which, I mean, Higgins, uh, shout out to Higgins. He seems to be the only one really concerned about Coach Beard and Jane. Um, and um, even Coach Beard can kind of tell that this relationship is tough on him. But Jane just seems to be really controlling. So we'll see where that relationship goes, where they take that. Uh, I can't wait for the next episode. This is the best show ever. Like I said, if you guys aren't watching Ted Lasso, what are you doing? I mean, you're missing out. And also, just one last final thing before we wrap up this episode. Um, Roy Kent is not CGI created. He is a real person by the name of Brett Goldstein who wrote this episode and did a tremendous job. So shout out to Brett Goldstein, even though he's a Spurs fan. Um, he did a great job writing this episode, I thought, and I'm excited to see where the series goes. Is Nate the next Pep Guardiola? I had a lot of questions, a lot of questions to be answered, but we'll see, we'll see. All right, folks, that just about does it for today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brendan. I know that we had a lot to cover. A lot went down in today's super long outro, but um, I thank you for bearing with me through it. And um, once again, everybody in the New York area, please stay safe. Um, I hope everybody dries out from the remnants of Hurricane Ida. Everybody in the Gulf Coast, please stay safe. We're all thinking of you. Um, and uh, don't, don't, like I said at the start of the episode, donate and help any way you can. I will be going to donate blood tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, once again, I will remind you to subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at UFRWBB. Follow me personally on Twitter at bbry1991. Next week, probably, like I said, I'd love to do a roundtable with Mike, Tim, and Arun. Um, I think that would be great, and uh, I hopefully that happens. But um, if it, we'll see what we'll see how it goes. There will definitely be an episode next week for sure, as we get closer to the start of the NFL season um, and the end of the baseball season and the return of the EPL. There's a lot happening, so stay tuned for all that. Thank you for joining me on today's episode, folks, and I'll talk to you next time. Okay, so I listened back to this episode and realized I left a couple things out. Amazingly, even though it was a longer episode than normal, I actually forgot a couple things. So uh, here are a couple uh, other news stories that I forgot to mention in the episode. So congratulations if you made it this far. You're getting a little bonus upon further review with Brian Brennan. Uh, first off, uh, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, crazy amounts of rain in the tri-state area, crazy flooding. You just look at all the pictures... It's insane. It's just, like, crazy. And so last night, um, the Yankees, um, they were on the road, so all their broadcasters were broadcasting the game from Yankee Stadium, as is, the, as is how it's been all season. So John Sterling, uh, Michael Kay was there. He took some pictures of the outfield, completely flooded. Outfield at the Yankee Stadium, completely flooded. Kay said he had trouble getting home. He had to t- seek refuge at Fordham University. I mentioned this at the start of the episode. I actually found this out while I was recording today's episode. So John Sterling, the Yankees radio broadcaster, Susan Waldman was broadcasting the game from home because that's apparently what she does. Apparently she broadcasts road games from her house. So she called John Sterling to make sure he got home okay. And John Sterling was stuck in his car that was being flooded. I mean, John Sterling is not a young man, folks. He's 82 years old. So... That's scary. Susan Waldman calls Ricky Ricardo, the Yankees' Spanish language. That's a great name, by the way. Ricky Ricardo, all-time great name. And um, she calls him, 
and he comes and saves John Sterling. I mean, what an incredible story. I can't wait to hear them talk about this on the broadcast tomorrow. Uh, but wow, uh, incredible heads up by Susan Waldman to call John Sterling and make sure he was okay. Uh, and um, and thank goodness John Sterling's okay. I, thank goodness he, I mean, well, that's really scary. I think John Sterling could have been in trouble like that. So shout out to Ricky Ricardo for saving John Sterling, the Yankee Spanish language broadcaster. Uh, shout out to him. A remarkable story. Um, another Met story. I forgot to mention during this episode. Uh, I mentioned all the. I mentioned Baez scored the game-winning run on Tuesday's game. After all the controversy and after all the drama, well, it turned out he actually lost his earring while scoring the game-winning run, and they were searching for it after the game, after he scored the winning run, including Sandy Alderson, who is now the Mets' acting GM. He's the team president. He was looking for the earring too. So why is, look, this adds to a crazy week for the Mets. Um, why would you be on the field with a $200,000 piece of jewelry? I, that's ridiculous of bias, in my opinion. And just add, the fact that they haven't found the ring yet is crazy. So I, I wonder who has it. Um, I, I wonder if like one of the Marlins maybe picked it up and just hasn't returned it. Uh, that's who they were playing. Uh, but another crazy story for the I mean, just so much crazy stuff happening with the Mets that I just totally forgot to mention it. I, I totally, totally forgot to mention it. So that is another crazy story as well. Uh, I mentioned Donda and uh, how that came out on Sunday. Well, also, I, also tomorrow, Certified Lover Boy by Drake comes out. Uh, I am very interested to see how this album goes. Uh, Drake can be... Drake's usually pretty good, but he's had a couple dud albums, I would say. I would say his last project, uh, Dark Lane Demo Tapes, is mm, not good at all. And um, So I'm expecting, hopefully, a big bounce. This album, like Donda, has been hyped up all summer. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope it's good. Drake and Kanye obviously have had a bit of a rivalry lately. They've been talking trash to each other. So, um, And what I think is that Drake has been putting up billboards in all these cities. He put up uh, one, ones in, like, hang on, let me see if I can find. Uh, he put up one in New York saying the GOAT is on. He said, hey, New York, the GOAT is on Certified Lover Boy. Like, who's the GOAT in New York? That could be anybody. Is he using Biggie samples or something? Is, does he mean Jay-Z? Does he mean Nas? Who does Drake mean there? I'm excited to find out tomorrow. He all he said, you know, "Little Baby" and Twenty One Savage. He posted billboards in Atlanta saying they're on the album. Uh, posted ones in Chicago saying Dirk's on the album. So I'm excited to see how Certified Lover Boy goes. The cover art is very interesting with all the pregnant ladies, pregnant emojis, whatever that is. Um, Drake's a weird guy, man. Drake is uh, Drake and Kanye are. I mean, Kanye's I think a little weirder than Drake, but even Drake is a weird weird dude man these are just some weird people we're dealing with here um i'll be interested to see how the album comes out i'm excited to uh listen to it tomorrow and uh yeah uh and also finally just to wrap up this episode i know i didn't mention it i know college football starts this weekend and i know that's a big deal for some people but it's not a big deal for me i i don't care at all i am not interested in college football in the least um the only game i might even remotely consider watching is Georgia versus Clemson 
And uh, that has the worst name ever. It's like the Mayo Bowl or something like that. Uh, it's the Duke's Mayo Classic. Ugh, what a disgusting name that is. I like mayonnaise, and even I hate that name. Um, but uh, those are two good programs. I think College Game Day is um, probably there. I don't know. College Game Day is one of the few things I like about college football, honestly. But um, I'll be watching mostly baseball this weekend um, and not college football because I really don't care about college football. But uh, I hope the season goes well. Uh, If you do care about college football, uh, I hope you enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all i got to say. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I'll talk to you next time.